So about four years ago, I um, had a uh, love affair with uh, Chick-fil-A. And um, was, uh, <laughs> scared you there for a moment, didn't I? Um, I uh, was all about Chick-fil-A, all about it. And um, it wasn't just Chick-fil-A. I was in rough shape. Uh, so I was about 400, or 400, I was about 300 pounds. I was still greatly overweight, obese, and um, uh, really struggling in my health. I was well on my way to diabetes, heart disease, you name it. And um, uh, I had a wake-up call one day when I was in the parking lot of a Chick-fil-A. Of all places, God spoke to me. <clears throat> Imagine that. So I, uh, I went and got my Chick-fil-A and I uh, parked in the uh, uh, parking lot. But before I did, uh, at the drive-thru, I asked for extra Chick-fil-A sauce. Now for those of you who aren't aware, Chick-fil-A sauce is the nectar of the angels. And um, uh, it's, it's really good. I haven't had it in a long time. I'll explain why. But they never give you enough. That's one thing that always frustrated me. So I asked for more. Not only more, but I asked for much more. And um, I got the bag. It seemed heavier than it should be. And I found my parking spot and opened it up. And turns out they gave me a huge tub full of Chick-fil-A sauce. Uh, you know, pretty much like a family size, you know, uh, something you could put in the freezer and take out every Thanksgiving. Now, I, I saw this and I thought, well, that's a ridiculous amount of Chick-fil-A sauce. There's no way that I need that much. Well, it turns out I did because I emptied it in about 15 minutes. Now, I sat and I looked at that empty bowl and I thought, my goodness, I'm in rough shape because this has got a hold of me. And it's not just the sauce, right, or Chick-fil-A, but it was food. Like, I, I realized that food had become a master in my life. And that I had essentially become a slave to it. Now, I had a moment then when I realized this, and I had to take drastic measures. And so I posted on Facebook... I was sitting in the parking lot of Chick-fil-A after I had had this, this revelation, and I put this, put this on Facebook. There is so much pain in my heart and tears on my cheek as I write this. I am forever from this day forward boycotting all fast food for my life. Hold me accountable, friends, and goodbye, my beloved Chick-fil-A. Now, I had the right. I had the right to do anything I wanted. Right? Nobody was stopping me. Nobody was, was stopping me from going every day for lunch to Chick-fil-A or any other fast food restaurant and just submitting to the master of food. But there's a big difference between what we can do and what we should do. There's a big difference between what we can do and what we should do. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, I have the right to do anything so Paul says, people say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then Paul says, people say, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, you see, I thought I understood what, what freedom was. I thought I, I, I thought I understood this word that we use almost all the time, freedom, to be free. I thought I knew what that meant and what that encapsulated. But I had really no idea because the freedom that I thought 
the ability to be able to do whatever I wanted, that really wasn't freedom. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 begins to point us in a direction that we're going to look at over the course of this, of this series, living in 4D. And I'm going to explain what that means here in just a little bit. But Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, has set us free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, when we think of freedom, we think about it in regards to what it is that we can and can't do. But that isn't really freedom. So what we need to do is we need to begin to shift our thinking and we need to not look at it as freedom in me, meaning the freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do whenever it is that we want to do it. So we need to go from freedom in me to freedom in Christ. Freedom in me to freedom in Christ. And we need to ask ourselves three very important questions. So the first question is this, what is true freedom? What is true freedom? Just like we've talked before about what is love. You know, we use that word much more than the word freedom, right? But love, Jesus describes as loving God and loving others, that the two are are inseparable, that you can't love others unless you love God, and you can't love God unless you love others. That is love. So what is freedom? What is true freedom? And then the second question is, what am I a slave to? And the third question is, am I a 4D Christian? Am I a 4D Christian? So the first question that we're going to look at is, what is true freedom? When we, when we use this word freedom, when we talk about being free, what is that really? Now, I have, and if you're married, you can relate to this, especially maybe only if you're a, a guy. Um, but I could go to my wife and I could say, say Sarah, I'd like a new TV. Now, she would most likely say no. <laughs> and then I would say, okay, honey, please, you don't understand. We need a bigger TV. And she would most likely again say no. And I'd say, okay, all right, I, I understand what's going on here, okay? You, you don't get it, all right? Our TV is too small. We need a bigger one. And then she would probably go, fine, do whatever you want. Now, that really isn't permission, is it? No. We, I, see, I know full well what that means, right? That, see, I, technically, I can do it, but it's not going to be very beneficial for me if I do. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, we looked at that, right? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. So then what does it mean to be truly free? Well, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul writes, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So true freedom, a part of true freedom, is the absence of being burdened, of being oppressed, by a yoke of slavery. So true freedom, part of that is the absence of being oppressed or burdened by a, a yoke of slavery. So 
uh, if you can keep God out of what you eat, do, or think, then you can continue to do whatever you choose as long as you're willing to be burdened by a yoke of slavery, as long as you're willing to be oppressed by a yoke of slavery. That's what Paul's saying here. You could do whatever you want, but in doing so, you're not really experiencing freedom, that the freedom that you would maybe intuitively think you're experiencing. Rather, you're experiencing slavery. You are being oppressed by a yoke of slavery. So what is true freedom? Well, St. Augustine, he helps us understand a little bit more about what this concept is. In the 4th century, he said that true freedom is not choice or lack of constraint, but being who you are meant to be. Okay? So then humans, specifically, were created in the image of God. That means you and I were created in God's image, right? So true freedom, then, St. Augustine says, is not found in moving away from that image, but only in living it out. So it's not doing whatever it is that you want to do, whenever it is that you want to do it. Rather, it's being who God created you to be. That that is true freedom. Because you were made in the image of God. See, just like my marriage to my wife, if I want a healthy marriage, if I want a marriage that is beneficial to myself and to my wife and to our kids and to our friends and family, well then I need to consider my wife in all aspects of my life. I need to consider her in the way that I think, in the way that I act, in the choices that I make. So then similarly, if we want a healthy, growing, vibrant relationship with God, we need to consider Him in all things. In all things. See, true freedom, true freedom is not being burdened by a yoke of slavery, but rather taking on the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. It's being who God created you to be, the majestic, all-powerful, almighty God who created you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, being who it was or is that God created you to be, and then considering Him in all aspects of your life. So whatever it is that you eat, whatever it is that you drink, whatever it is that, that you, uh, whatever hobby you have, whatever relationship you're in, whatever has been done to you in the past, whatever fear you have of the future, you consider God in all aspects of your life, in everything. So ultimately, true freedom is being who you were created to be and then considering God in every aspect of your life. So then the second question, and this is a question that is, it's an important question, but it is a scary question. Because we do, and when I say we, I'm talking about we, do a great job of not paying attention to the things that we really need to pay attention to. Because it can be uncomfortable and scary. So when we ask the question, what am I a slave to? We start feeling pretty uncomfortable. I can, I can already begin to, to think about things in my life that I've been a slave to other than God. 
And we'll talk a little bit about that. But what are those things that are jumping into your mind and into your heart as you ask that question? For me, food was my master. And it seems kind of silly to think about that, right? But many people struggle with that. But it's not just food. It could be work. It could be a relationship that's become a master in your life. It could be your perception of what people think of you. That you're determining your self-worth based on your perception of what people think of you. That could be the master in your life. Sex could be the master in your life. Alcohol. Bitterness. Anger. All these things. John Piper, in an article that he wrote, I will not be enslaved by anything. He wrote, don't ask, am I permitted to do this as a Christian? Instead, ask, am I a slave to this act? Is this food or drink or sex or hobby or work becoming my master instead of my servant? You see, everything that we do every day, we are either deciding to to be a slave to the world or a slave to God. We're either saying the world is our master or God is. There's no in between. So I'll say something and maybe it's going to make you know ruffle a feather or two, but if you're wondering if you're a slave to God, you probably aren't. If you have to ask that question, there is probably something in this world that is mastering over your life. What is that? What are you allowing to control you? What are you allowing to lord over you, to master over you, to keep you from being who it is that God created you to be? There's so much coming at us in this world. Isn't it just crazy? I mean, we we just literally cannot get through the day without being inundated by the world. And that's why it's so much more important to be vigilant about this, to consider God in every aspect of our lives. 1 Peter 2, verse 16. Peter writes, Live as free people. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Okay, whoa, wait a second here now. We talked about true freedom, right? Not being burdened by a yoke of slavery. Not being oppressed by a yoke of slavery. But yet, Peter here is saying that we're supposed to live as God's slaves. Well, what does Jesus say? We've heard this passage, and for those of you who haven't, Jesus says, uh, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and light. So what he's saying here is not take this, you know what a yoke is, right? It's that thing that guides the oxen to make sure that they go in a straight path. And so he's not, he's not saying take that, that yoke, uh, that burden of slavery off of you so that you can just wander around aimlessly because then nothing would get accomplished. But rather, take that burden of slavery off of you, that oppressive nature, that oppressive mastering of the world, and instead replace it with my yoke. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Instead, be a slave to me because I created you. Because you are mine. You're mine. So be a slave to me. Live according to true freedom. True freedom is being who it is that you were created to be. We were created in the image of God to serve Him, to worship Him, and to live according to Him. And so the order, the hierarchy in our lives should be this. It should be God, you, and then the world. We should consider God in all aspects of our lives and put Him in a place of master in our lives. Be in submission to God and then, and then the world to be in submission to us. But instead, a lot of us flip that. And the world becomes the master. And then, and then we begin having this mantra that, that we were created in God's image, you know, not the other way around. We tend to think that we created God or we tend to think that we can keep God in a box and get to Him when time allows or when it is that we have a need or manipulation. So the first question, what is true freedom? True freedom being who it is that you were created to be and then what are you a slave to? What are you allowing to master over your life instead of putting yourself in a place of submission to God who created you beautifully and wonderfully made. But then the third question is, are you a 4D Christian? And I love this term, a four-dimensional Christian. Meaning that, do you understand, do you understand that every single person in this room is a spiritual being? I'm going to say that again. Every single person in this room is a spiritual being. Every single person here will exist for eternity. But here's the catch. You're either going to exist in eternity with God or without Him. But because you're spiritual beings, that involves other aspects of our lives that we separate See, we tend, to, we tend to think of our spirituality as something that God's involved with, and that's kind of over here. And then there's other aspects of our lives that we deal with on a day-to-day basis that is, is separate. We do this as a church, too. You know, the physical things or the emotional things or the mental things. You know, we think of it as, as okay, those are, those are that stuff. And over here is the spiritual stuff, and that's the only stuff that God's really concerned about. No! We are four-dimensional, meaning that we are spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. And that God created all facets of that in each of our lives. And because of that, that is all His. And because of that, living in true freedom is being who you were created to be emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so for me, yeah, I had to deal with that on the physical level, right? I wasn't giving God the best of what He'd given me physically. I wasn't understanding the, the fact that, that Jesus indwells within me, that I was created by God. 
And that because I was created by God, that by living in true freedom, I, I need to exercise myself physically, not, I mean, yes, exercise, but live my life physically in a way that gives Him glory that is in conjunction with the image that He created. And to not be flippant with that. And to not set that aside or categorize that as something over here in my spirituality here, but to understand that every facet of my life, my physical, my emotional, my mental, and my spiritual, it's all inclusive. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. See, we see four aspects of the life there in Jesus himself, the Son of God. There is the vertical, where Jesus grew in his relationship with God. Each of us needs that, right? But then there's the horizontal, that, that Jesus grew in his relationship with others. And then there's the internal, that Jesus grew in wisdom. And, and then the external, that Jesus grew in stature. The external things of this life are as spiritual as the things that we immediately think of as spiritual. But yet we make a determination to separate the two, and we can't do that. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, I, I mentioned this at the outset. But this question of what am I a slave to, this could be anything. For me, it wasn't just food. But I've been a slave to bitterness. I've been a slave to relationships. I've been a slave to a self-loathing of myself. Whatever it is, when you consider the hierarchy in your own life, and if it is, if it is world, whether it's relationships, sex, alcohol, food, uh, what's done to you in the past or your fear of the future or your job or your, your family or your things. And that's mastering over you. Then what that means is that God has been placed in subjugation to you. But that's just a fallacy because God, He doesn't, he doesn't place himself in subjugation to anybody. Instead, God wants us to live the way that we are created to live, and that is free lives. Where we understand that God, the master of all things, that he has a life and a, and a purpose for us that is beyond these things that control us, beyond these things that lord over us. And instead, he wants to he wants to dictate. He wants to guide. He wants to lead. He wants to have the first say. So instead of thinking of God as the last resource, we think of Him as the first resort. There are people here who have been imprisoned by the things of this world and you have yet to give God all of you. 
See, it's not about feeling free. It's about actually being free. And all you got to do is just submit. All you got to do is just say, God, as King David does in Psalm 139, search my heart and see if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. And he will never fail to speak that truth into your life, to reveal those things to you so that you can begin to give them to him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20, it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You were bought at a price. You are bought at a price. None of this would matter at all if it wasn't for Christ and the cross. None of this would matter at all if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our separation from an almighty God, didn't willingly give his life so that we could be free. Romans 3.23 says, For all sin falls short of the glory of God. Now this is a verse that we uh, that for those of you who grow up in the church, you hear at a very young age, but, but think, about, think about the deep principle in that. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There was no other way. One of the most beautiful moments in all of Scripture happens in John chapter 17. I cannot even begin to imagine the amount of torment the amount of stress that Jesus was experiencing in that moment in the garden. You see, Jesus, he wasn't surprised by what happened to him on the cross. It wasn't as if he got arrested and was wondering what was going on and then was placed on the cross and had nails driven through his wrists and through his feet and was shocked by it all. This is why he came. He knew full well. He knew so well. And he got on his knees before God and he said, God, is there any other way? It wasn't just the, the thought of the torment, the thought of the pain, the thought of the ridicule. It was that he knew that he would not only be taking on the sins of of the world. Think about this. We're not going to air on anybody's dirty laundry, but think, think, about, think about the thing that you've done that you most regret. Jesus took that. He took that and everything else. And because he took on all sin. God had to turn His face from Him. Jesus took that on and He knew that was coming. And in this moment of great anguish, He asked if there was any other way. And when He knew that there wasn't, 
You know what turned the tide for him? You know what gave him the greatest resolve? To then stand before Herod, to then stand before those who would yell, crucify him. You know what gave him the greatest resolve? To be able to willingly put his hands out, not to have them have to be held down, but to actually put his hand willingly out to accept those nails. Do you know what kept him on that cross? Is in that moment in John 17 where he says this, he says, God, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Because it was the only way. It was the only way. That's what he did so that we could be free. And what do we do? We thank him by making the master of our lives the world instead of the, the God who created us, who loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. What are you a slave to? Are you a slave to God or are you a slave to the world? I want to invite the servers forward and we're going to we're going to take a few moments and remember the sacrifice that Jesus became for us on the cross. The body that was broken, the blood that was shed. And if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you decided to follow him, then whether or not you you call this place your home or whether you're visiting for the first time, please join us. And then ask God this, these questions. Ask, what am I a slave to, God? Am I a slave to you or am I a slave to the world? And then allow Him to lead you in the way everlasting. Father, speak to us in this moment. Remind us of Your goodness, of the love and the hope and the joy, the Lord, that never fades, that never diminishes, but always remains true. Help us in this time of remembrance to cling to the truth of your love. Pray this in your name. Amen.